Good morning. Good morning. My name is Dave Hershey, and it is great to be seen by you wherever you are this morning as we are here at Koinos continuing a sermon series which has been titled Expand. And when I've been thinking about just this term, expand, I've been struck to real or not to realize, to think about the fact that our universe itself is expanding. When God created the cosmos 13.7 billion years ago, give or take a couple of million, there was nothing. God spoke, and the story of the universe began. Let there be light, and this point of nothing exploded, and the universe has been expanding ever since. As the universe expanded over the eons of time, there formed more than 100 billion galaxies. Our particular galaxy where we live, the Milky Way, is about 100,000 light years across. It's pretty big. And it contains billions of stars. So billions of galaxies with billions of stars. The universe is a big place. As you learned in third grade, our little planet sits in the solar system with eight other planets or maybe seven other planets, depending when you went to school and what the status of Pluto was at the time. But we are a tiny speck, either way, in a gigantic universe. This gigantic universe, though, is mostly empty space, 96% or so empty space, and it is still today expanding. In his book, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry, the popular scientist Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about all kinds of fascinating things, the formation of the cosmos, dark matter, black holes, all kinds of things like that. Thankfully, as the title of the book says, it's for, it's for people like me, people who are interested in such things but aren't necessarily, uh, well, definitely are not professional scientists and need these concepts dumbed down a little bit to understand. But what I found really interesting about this book is near the end, after talking about all these mind-bending concepts, Tyson gets a little bit personal. He says, the cosmic view comes with a hidden cost. When I travel thousands of miles to spend a few moments in the fast-moving shadow of the moon during a total solar eclipse, sometimes I lose sight of Earth. When I pause and reflect on our expanding universe with its galaxies hurtling away from one another, embedded within the ever-stretching four-dimensional fabric of space and time, sometimes I forget that uncounted people walk this earth without food or shelter and that children are disproportionately represented among them. What Tyson's admitting here is that he gets so wrapped up in studying the amazing wonders of the cosmos that he can forget about the people that live right next door. Which, gotta be honest, that makes sense. The universe is fascinating. I mean, did you know that if you lined up one million atoms, the very building blocks of life, side by side, they would, be the, they would be the thickness of a human hair? Did you know that one grain of sand contains 22 quintillion atoms, which is a 22 with 18 zeros after it? Did you know that if we took an atom and it could expand it to the size of a golf ball, we would have to expand a golf ball to the size of planet Earth. Atoms are tiny. Yet scientists have discovered within atoms an entire world of protons and neutrons and electrons and all kinds of other subatomic particles. 
But what really bends my mind as I've been thinking and reading about some of this stuff in the last week is that the world inside of an atom is 99% empty space. So if you could somehow squeeze all the empty space out of all the atoms, the entire human race could fit inside. Seven billion people, the entire human race, could fit inside the size of a sugar cube. I don't know how that works, and it doesn't even make any sense. But if the universe is mostly empty space, and atoms are mostly empty space, then what are we standing on right now? What holds it all together? Well, we're in church, so it's probably not surprising where I'm going with this. God holds it all together. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit holds it all together. This morning, our focus as we think about expanding is expanding our understanding of Jesus. And Christians have believed for, since the beginning essentially, that Jesus is God in human flesh. It doesn't get more expansive than looking at a passage like Colossians 1, verses 15 to 17, which states, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Or as that old children's song some of us learned a long time ago, and I'm not going to sing it, but he's got the whole world in his hands. When we consider the wonders God has made, the works of God's hands, it's hard not to move from the awe at the wonders of the universe to awe and worship to the one who made them. Again, can we get much more expansive in our understanding of Jesus than simply recognizing that Jesus is God in the flesh? That in the beginning was God. This, the infinite, incomprehensible, ultimate reality, being itself, that than which nothing greater can be conceived. Feel free to insert other big words there if you like. But I find a little word is pretty helpful. In the beginning, God is love. God did not become love as if there was God, and then God made something else, so God could love that thing, and once that thing was made, then God became love. No, God was love from forever. God is an eternal, unending relationship of love. Christians call this the Trinity, the love of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's unity, and there is some sort of diversity there. One of my favorite writers, uh, George MacDonald, he was a theologian and a pastor in the 1800s in Scotland. He described it this way. It is not the fact that God is all in all that unites the universe. It is the love of the Son to the Father. There can be no oneness where there is only one. For the beginnings of unity, there must be two. Without Christ, therefore, there could be no universe. God and Christ are one, our Father and Son. The Father loving the Son as only the Father can love. The Son loving the Father as only the Son can love. What McDonald is pointing to is that the very structure of existence, the very structure of the universe, is love. And the thing about love is that love expands. God's love expands and God creates. God sings and God's creation comes into being. 
God creates the galaxies and the atoms and all the other wonders of the cosmos. God creates humans, perhaps the greatest wonder in the cosmos. Created in God's image, we are able to to love our creator and also to love one another. God does not create humans as like robots who have to obey and do the right thing out of necessity. We are given uh, freedom like the God who made us. Yet as we all know, humans have used this freedom to turn away from our creator. Rather than living toward the expanding love of God in Jesus, we choose to turn inward, which inevitably contracts us rather than expands us. Like Neil deGrasse Tyson, whose study of the cosmos distracts him from the plight of his fellow humans, we too find ourselves distracted and focusing mostly on ourselves and those closest to us. It happens. We're busy people. We have kids to feed and jobs to go to and classes to pass, not to mention pandemics to navigate. All of us face this temptation to get so wrapped up in our own lives that we look inward and contract. Even when we have the best intentions, it happens. But here's another one of the things I would say is beautiful about the whole story. God is not surprised by any of this. God is not surprised by our tendency to turn away from God's expanding love and to look inward and to focus on ourselves. God knew where our freedom would take us, and knowing this, God always planned to take on human flesh and walk among us in the person of Jesus. When the time was right, the God who made the cosmos, the infinite and the incomprehensible, was born of a woman. God becoming human was always part of the plan. It was always plan A. It was never plan B. We may turn away from God's expanding love, but God's love and God never turns away from us. So when we meet Jesus on the pages of Scripture, we recognize that we are seeing our clearest revelation of who God is. The one who knit the universe together is taking on flesh and entering the creation. God is infinite, yet God has a face. God is incomprehensible, yet in taking on flesh and becoming human, God can be comprehended. What is God like? God is like Jesus. We also recognize, though, that our clearest picture of humanity, of what humanity was meant to be, is also seen when we look at Jesus. What does it mean to be a true and a complete and a full human? Again, that's Jesus. The rest of us, we're not quite there yet. So Jesus reveals to us what God is like, while at the same time, Jesus shows us what it looks like for a human to live in relationship with our God in heaven. When we see Jesus' love for other people, for people, we are getting a glimpse of God's overflowing love that made people in the first place. Throughout this series, we've been looking at stories from Luke's gospel, the biography of Jesus that Luke wrote. One such story that demonstrates this great love of God for any and all people comes in Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. 
The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I do not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. So a centurion would have been a Roman soldier with about a hundred soldiers kind of underneath him. Century, centurion, right? And uh, such a person would have had some level of social power. So when his servant is sick, he sends some of the Jews he knows. Apparently he's done some good things for them. He did some things in the community. They, they have a relationship. So he sends some of these Jewish people he knows to this healer he's heard of. Because maybe this rabbi, this healer, this teacher, Jesus, can heal his servant. But then... On the way to the house, the centurion says, you don't even need to come here. Just with a word, you can heal my servant. And of course, with a word, Jesus can heal his servant. Because Jesus is the God who, with a word, shaped the very atoms that make up the cosmos itself. That with a word, Jesus created the galaxies. Of course, he can heal this servant with merely a word from his mouth. I just want to share a couple things that strike me from this story. And the first one is, and I've kind of already alluded to it, Jesus did not even have to literally enter this man's house to be present in the house. For God is always already present. Jesus is God, the one who holds it all together. As Acts 17.28 says, In him, in God, we live and move and have our being. God in Jesus, in some way, is both moving towards us as Jesus was walking towards this house while already being present with us. And I believe our understanding of Jesus expands as we become more aware of God's presence in our lives. Expanding our understanding of Jesus is not about learning big words like omnipotent or incomprehensible. It's not about thinking about God or, or the cosmos till your brain hurts. Although, if you want to do those things, that's fine too, I guess. I love how the wonderful writer, Anne Lamott, bluntly puts it. She wrote, I didn't need to understand the hypostatic unity of the Trinity. I just needed to turn my life over to whoever came up with the redwood trees. Expanding our understanding of Jesus is simply to do what the centurion did and invite Jesus to expand into our lives more and more each day. God's love overflowed into creation, and Jesus created it all out of love. Redwood trees and blue herons and bald eagles and mountain peaks and ocean depths and you and me. Jesus is moving towards us, while at the same time Jesus is already present with us. Jesus is God, is love, and loves us more than we can possibly imagine. All we can do is simply receive that love by allowing Jesus to expand into our lives. 
Of course, God's love is not just for you and me. God's love is for everybody. It overflows to everyone. It's impossible for our understanding of Jesus' love to expand and for our own love of others not to expand along with it. It's not just a love that's for me and, and us and people like me. It's for everybody out there. Central to Christianity from pretty much from the beginning has been a call to share this love of God with others. Yet if we look at the history of, of Christianity, and, and if we're honest, this sharing called maybe evangelism, uh, mission, missionaries, this stuff can and has gone pretty badly quite often. When Christians speak of, of sharing this love, sometimes if we're not careful, it can sound like we're saying that we possess Jesus and that God's presence only reaches others, whether those others are, are right down the street or on the other side of the world. God's presence, we might, it might sound like only reaches them when we take Jesus to them. If we're not careful, we talk about these ideas. It can sound like we uniquely possess Jesus. Jesus is ours, not anyone else's. And this kind of language, it creeps up a lot of other places. We hear language like, we need to defend Jesus. God's under attack. We need to build up some walls and protect it. I feel like when I hear these terms, the implication there, it's Jesus belongs to us. We have it all figured out. And if you, whoever you are, want to experience this love, then you need to come to us, and we might let you in. We put ourselves in the position of, of teachers, defenders, gatekeepers, but not necessarily of learners or fellow travelers. But then we remember what Jesus said to the centurion, or said to the people after, when he heard what the centurion said. Jesus said, I have not found even great, this great faith even in Israel. What he's saying there is that this centurion, an outsider to God's people, someone who does not have kind of the inside information, is demonstrating God, great faith. And how would that have sounded to Jesus' followers who believed that they had insider information, that may have thought that God and the things of God and Jesus were uniquely theirs? How should it sound to us who identify as Christians who may be stunned to hear that someone out there has greater faith than we do? The truth is, Jesus does not belong to me or to us. And what we find when we expand our understanding of Jesus is that God's presence in Jesus is already out there with the them. There is nowhere that we can take Jesus that God is not already present at. Theologian Willie James Jennings puts it this way. He writes, Where the Spirit of God is, there is divine desire, not simply for God, but for one another. And not simply for one another, but for those to whom we are sent by the Spirit, to those already being drawn into communion with God and sensing the desire of God for the expansion of their lives into the lives of others. 
God's love overflows to us. Jesus moves towards us. Jesus is already present with us. And as our love expands, we may be sent by the Spirit to others. As he says in that quote, we are sent by the Spirit. But as we're sent, we also recognize that God is already present. God is already drawing others into communion with God. God is already putting a desire for their creator inside of them. So the question is not, Will we go out and save the world for Jesus? Will we bring God to people that don't know God? The question is simply, will we expand our understanding of Jesus and join God in what is already going on with or without us? Because we are called to share God's love with others and to move towards others in love. But we do not do so as experts or gatekeepers. We do so as fellow learners and fellow travelers knowing that we're going to find the, find the Spirit of Jesus popping up everywhere. So Jesus is expanding towards us. Jesus is already present with us. Jesus fills us. We can expand our love for God and our love for others. Jesus invites us to expand this love and to join in what God is doing in the world. God is moving towards us. God is already present with us. Usually at this point in the sermon, there's some, what should I do now? What's the application? What's the, what's the point? Maybe we don't have to do anything. When I think about it, maybe we just need to recognize that most of us, I think, if we're tuning in, if you're here this morning, we already have the best intentions. If you're, if you're watching this, if you're taking part in this service, if you're most people I talk about, I, I, I talk with, I think we desire to know more, to be more like Jesus. We desire to grow in our love of God. We desire to have our understanding and our love expanded by God. We desire for our love of others to expand as well. And sure, like our friend Neil deGrasse Tyson said earlier, we get distracted from time to time. We turn inward. It happens. Even when it happens, though, Jesus is still present with us, even if we don't notice. One more quote, Richard Rohr, he's a priest and teacher. He, he hits the nail on the head, I think, for what I'm trying to say here. He says, we cannot attain the presence of God because we're already totally in the presence of God. What's absent is awareness. Little do we realize that God is maintaining us in existence with every breath we take. Maybe if we're looking for something to do for a sort of takeaway this morning, maybe it's as simple as being still, sitting in silence, and knowing God. Maybe it's just experiencing stillness and finding ways to increase our awareness of the God who is already present. This can be done by intentionally practicing things at planned times throughout the day. This can also be done while we're just going through our normal day, while we're walking our dog, cooking dinner, driving our car, going to work. God is always moving, and God is always present. We just need to turn off our distractions and listen. So may, our, may we expand our awareness of God's love in Jesus. May we be aware of God who is both moving towards us and present with us, as well as present out there. And may Jesus' love expand us so we can more love God and more love others. 
So in a minute, the worship team is going to come and sing one more song. And while they do, there's going to be a question up on the screen to think about. And I'm going to read it to you right now. I think it's a, I hope it's a helpful question. Imagine it is one week from now. It's next Sunday morning, you're waking up, getting ready to tune in for church. And on that morning, one week in the future, your future self is more aware of God's presence and of other people's needs than you are right now. What did you do that made you more aware? And will you take those steps this week? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for creating the galaxies and the cosmos and the atoms and everything in between. Thank you for creating us and loving us. We simply pray that as we move through our week this week, we will be aware of your love and your presence in Jesus. We will be aware that you are moving towards us, that you are present with us. Increase our understanding and acknowledgement and just realization of your presence and also move us to be aware of the needs of others so we can show love to them. It's in Jesus' name we pray.